All right. Hello, everyone. Is the echo still on? Yeah, I'll, uh, Thank you. Hope you're all having a good week. My week was very busy. Um, it was my daughter's, gosh, she turned nine yesterday. And so, not I me, mean, two days ago. I don't even know what day it is. But that's my week. We've had three birthday celebrations, so it was fun. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers. Is it still echoey? Well, I'm Jessie today. Um, just kidding. My name is Annalisa, and I am from here in Albuquerque. I grew up here in town. Um, I went to Del Norte High School, and yeah, this is my city, my home. I love it. So, if there are any kids or teenagers in the room who would like to draw while I speak, you can draw what the Lord is speaking to. Um, and I'm going to go ahead and start us off by praying. Oh, yeah, we have clipboards for that right here. So you can come and get one. Okay. <sighs> Father, thank you for gathering us all here today. Um, it is beautiful to be here united, worshiping you on Father's Day. Jesus, I invite your Holy Spirit into this space. May everything that I speak that is from you be remembered. May everything that is not from you be forgotten. Yeah, we just pray that we can be here together, going into your word, learning from you. Pray this in your name. Amen. I'm going to go ahead and read our scripture. But if in seeking to be justified in Christ, we Jews find ourselves also among the sinners, doesn't that mean that Christ promotes sin? Absolutely not. If I rebuild what I destroyed, then I really would be a lawbreaker. For through the law, I died to the law, so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. All right. Woo, that was just the easy four little verses there, wasn't it? Got it. No, actually, these were very confusing for me this week. So here is the good news phrase that the Lord spoke to me. In Christ, we are liberated from our divisions, so we can freely live in love and unity with one another. I'm going to go ahead and take this off. So swimming is one of my favorite things to do in the summer. Once the weather gets warm, my girls or I are in the pool as much as we can possibly be. We love going to the city pools here. Um, and the other day, we were at Rio Grande Pool celebrating my daughter's birthday. And it was so fun seeing how many different kinds of people there were swimming in the same pool. There were a lot of families with kids, their teenagers tanning, and people doing laps. There's a group of women who were in their 30s that were just chilling and hanging out. There were Chicano families, there were white families. Their families from the South Valley, their families from this um, downtown neighborhood. There was my family. We live in the North Valley. There were white families. There were black families. There were Asian families. We were all together, all enjoying the warm summer day in the pool. Um, so Rio Grande Pool, the pool I was swimming at, was built in 1958. I think it was the first public pool in Albuquerque. 
During the 20th century, lots of pools, like Rio Grande Pool, were constructed for communities to enjoy. However, few of these spaces welcomed black people. Many white people balked at the thought of unsegregated pools because they harbored the racist idea that African Americans were more likely to transmit disease. Pools were segregated, and they remained segregated, shutting out black people even after segregation ended. So why am I talking about swimming pools and their history here in the U.S.? Well, what we're reading in our Galatians series, it reminds me of some of the tensions that we're seeing in our passage. Last week, Elise said that the church in Galatia was like tables in the cafeteria. We had the cool kids table where the Jewish Christians were eating, and we had the unpopular table where the Gentile Christians were sitting. This week, I'm going to say that this early church is like a desegregated swimming pool in 1969. The Jewish Christians are the white folks, and the Gentile Christians are the black folks. And we're going to take that idea and do something a little different, a little imaginative, right? Because when the pastor's away, the people will play, right? (laughs) All right. So imagine with me for a moment. Okay, we're, we're the Jewish Christians and we're the Gentile Christians in Galatia and we're at a hot, it's a hot summer day and we're at a swimming pool in 1969, a desegregated swimming pool. And this pool is unusual because it truly was desegregated. Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians, they can freely swim together and they do. They enjoy it. They're playing volleyball in the pool. Kids are racing each other. They're pretending to be dolphins. My girls love to pretend to be mermaids, so maybe they're doing that. Everyone is having fun together. Peter, who we see in the passage, is called Cephas. He's in, and this isn't before in Galatians. Um, He's in the water, too, and he's enjoying himself. Suddenly, he notices that a group of Jewish Christians from Antioch who he used to know, they walk in through that gate. And these Jewish Christians, they were like near the center of Jerusalem, which had a little bit more social standing and privilege and authority because the Jewish religion was centered in Jerusalem. They're like the country club pool kids. They stay off on the side of the pool, just sitting on the side of the deck, not getting in because they don't swim with Gentile Christians. They think Gentile Christians are not truly holy because they do not follow Jewish cultural practices like circumcision. These Jewish Christian visitors from Antioch harbor the racist idea that they will somehow become sinful from being in the same water as the Gentiles. So Peter, he starts to feel a little ashamed. What will these people think about him seeing him swimming with those Gentile Christians? Will they think he's sinful too? That's the drama of the early church that we're getting in Paul's letter to the Galatians. We're getting to see the early church wrestle with the question of how do we live as a community of both Jewish and Gentile Christians. There was a long history of ethnic tension between the Jews and the Gentiles, just like the U.S. has had a long history of ethnic tension between white people and black people. Jewish identity for like forever was rooted in being the chosen people of God. The Jews viewed themselves as more honorable than the Gentiles and believed that to preserve their honor and right standing with God and in their identity as God's chosen people, that they could not associate with Gentiles. 
and the Jewish cultural practices that helped the Jewish people maintain that honor were Sabbath, circumcision, and table fellowship. And so we enter this scene where Paul is writing about in the Galatians. Some Jewish followers from Antioch, remember them from my story? They visited the community and they tried to say that the Jewish Christians could not eat with the Gentile Christians because the Gentiles have not been circumcised. They were less holy and similar to what white people wrongly believed back in the day that would happen to them if they swam with black people. These Jewish Christians believe that by eating with the Gentile Christians that they too would become sinful because they believe that holiness and being rendered innocent, and I think the theological word for that that we'll get into in a minute is justification, comes from Jewish cultural practices. But Paul, next slide, Blanca, um, Paul reminds the Galatians that both Jewish and Gentile Christians are justified in Christ. Now, I didn't actually really know what justification meant, so I had to look it up. And the translation from the Greek was that it means to be rendered innocent. And I kind of think of it like, like rendering fat out of something. You like take out all the impurities. Justification, it doesn't come through Jewish cultural practices like circumcision that are part of the Jewish law, but through Jesus himself. The Jewish Christians in this scene, they were trying to go back to the old ways of living where you receive justification through the law. But the good news is that now both Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians are proclaimed innocent. They're completely healed and they're made whole in Christ. And this justification is available to all, any Gentile, any person who has chosen to look towards Jesus and center their life on him is justified in Christ. Any person. I'm going to turn my page. Um, and as an aside, for me as a Latina from New Mexico, I think the good news here for me is that Gentile Christians do not have to adopt Jewish cultural practices to be justified in Christ. The Gentiles do not have to become ethnically Jewish to follow Jesus. They get to retain their ethnic identity. So I do not have to give up my ethnic identity as a Latina from right here to follow Jesus. So sometimes English hymns, they will never feel the same for me in like my heart as like the Spanish songs of lament called alabados. I think alabados. I don't even know the word. I just know it in my heart <laughs> that my dad sang at my Spanish-speaking Catholic church during Lent. And that's okay. I can bring that with me. Paul goes on to say that to rebuild what I destroyed, I would really be the lawbreaker. So going back to the Jewish law and cultural practices that exclude Gentiles, going back to those ways of living, like what these Jewish Christians are saying is necessary, that rebuilds walls that were destroyed. And it's rebuilding those walls that is actually the sinful behavior. Jesus tore those walls down through his death and resurrection. It's described like this in Ephesians. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. Jesus is our peace. He made us one, Jews and Gentiles. He destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility between us. This is the power and the beauty of the church. We are one family in Christ. In Christ, we are liberated from our divisions so we can freely live in love and unity with one another. 
So let's return to the swimming pool picture. In America in 1969, segregation, it's not here anymore, but pools are still keeping blacks out of the swimming pool. Hold on. I want to tell this story the right way. Okay, racial tensions are rising in the country. Martin Luther King Jr. had been assassinated a year earlier. This was the atmosphere in our country when Fred Rogers, an ordained Presbyterian minister, decided to send a powerful message on his show, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. During the May 9, 1969 episode, Mr. Rogers asked Officer Clemens, a black officer played by Francois Clemens, if he'd like to cool his feet with Rogers in a children's wading pool. Clemens initially declined the invitation, noting he didn't have a towel. But Rogers said that Clemens could share his. Okay, the actions in this episode were not complex. Two men, they took off their shoes and their socks, they rolled up their pants, and they swished their feet together in a children's swimming pool. Right? But in doing so, Rogers and Clemens demonstrated that a black man and a white man could peacefully share the water. When Clemens had to go, he used Rogers' towel to dry his feet as promised. Rogers left the pool directly after Clemens and proceeded to use the same towel. Now, obviously, this episode doesn't like solve racism. We're still dealing with it now. Um, and Mr. Rogers didn't believe it would, but it does provide a powerful picture of what it looks like when a dividing wall of hostility is destroyed. We can be together in peace, enjoying one another and sharing with one another. You can come as you. I can come as me in the fullness of who I am as a Latina Christian. In Christ, we are liberated from our divisions so we can freely live in love and unity with one another. Sometimes, before we can be united with one another, we need to be freed from the divisions and pain within our own souls. Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So Elise mentioned last week, if you were here, that Paul was like this Jewish religious rock star before he met Jesus. He lived to uphold the Jewish law. He was willing to die for the Jewish law. He was willing to kill for the Jewish law, right? He approved the stoning of Stephen like we saw in Acts. Stephen was a Gentile believer. So just imagine the shame and the internal junk that that stirred up. He needed some healing, Right? So when Paul, in his conversion, centered his life on Jesus, a mysterious transformation occurred where Jesus' work on the cross and the crucifixion brought restoration to him and brought him wholeness and healing, freeing him from the shame that divided his soul, giving him life in Christ. Now Paul's identity mirrors Jesus' identity. He is united with Christ and Christ's identity. And what is Jesus' identity? I think a core part of his identity is wrapped up in being the son of God. When Jesus was baptized, God spoke to him and said, You are my son. With you, I am well pleased. Jesus is God's beloved son. Paul is a beloved son of God. You are a beloved son or daughter of God. You are loved. You're a gem. You have dignity and worth. Um, so I saw this video uh, this past week on Instagram of a young man who grew up in the U.S. 
He was going home to Mexico to surprise his abuelita for a visit after years and years and years of being away because there is a wall on our border, right? He last saw his abuelita when he was just a little kid and now he's in his early 20s. When he arrives at the door, he knocks and the abuelita asks, who's there? And slowly she uses her cane and she pulls herself up and she walks to the door. When she sees her grandson, she starts crying, oh, and she pulls him into her arms. She gives him a huge hug, and she starts kissing his face, repeating, mijo, 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 over and over. She's so excited to see him. She delights in him. And that's how Jesus, the human picture of God that we have in the Bible, sees you. He delights in you. He is longing to shower your face with kisses. And that love has the power to heal you from the division and pain inside your own soul. And as a community, a family in Christ, we can see each other that way as beloved children of God. We can see each other's honor and dignity, and we can protect that worth in one another. Because in Christ, we are liberated from our divisions, so we can freely live together in love and unity with one another. Okay, so let's go back to the church in Galatia. They are wrestling with the question of, how do we live now that we do not have the law? So Paul gives an answer to this question when he says, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, living by faith in the Son of God means more than living by just believing in Jesus. And while that's not wrong, that's part of it. It means to live like Jesus in his spirit. Paul says that Jesus loved him and gave himself for him. And those are the two words that he's drawing attention to. That's how Jesus lived. He loved us and he gave himself for us. We live in that spirit. This is the spirit of Jesus. Jesus loved. He was not afraid of messy people. Right? He didn't show up on earth disgusted with people, like showing up and puking at how awful we were. No. In fact, he showed up and he often went right to the people who were the most disgusting in that society. He went to the lepers, the paralyzed, the sick, the blind, the demon-possessed, the woman caught in adultery, the prostitutes, the tax collectors, the sinners. He saw them. He loved them. He offered them physical healing, inner healing, and relational healing. He spoke out against systems that oppressed people, that devalued their worth and kept them from living in wholeness with God, right? He was not afraid to get angry in the temple and overturn tables to unjust practices that kept the Gentiles out. And that's how we are to live, in love and unity with one another, honoring the dignity and worth of each other in oneness. We cannot do this by ourselves. If we could, there would not have been a reason for Jesus to die on the cross. Christ empowers us to live this way through his work on the cross that brings wholeness and healing to everyone and everything. In Christ, we are liberated from our divisions so we can freely live together in love and unity with one another. Next slide. So the actor who played Officer Clemens, Francois Clemens, was gay. In the 1960s and 70s, Mr. Rogers asked Clemens to keep his sexuality hidden in the show. Clemens, understanding how widely homosexuality was condemned at the time, obeyed. And over time, as they were on the show together, Mr. Rogers came to be really good friends with Clemens. 
He was never disgusted by him. He wasn't afraid of him. He saw his dignity and worth. In 1993, on Clemens's last appearance on Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, Mr. Rogers and Clemens recreated the swimming pool scene. Clemens sang the song, Many Ways to Say I Love You. And, but this time, when they did the scene, Clemens didn't just use Mr. Rogers' towel. Mr. Rogers cut down and dried Clemens's feet himself. Clemens, who saw a connection to Jesus washing the disciples' feet, found the act very moving. As he later said in an interview, I am a black gay man, and Fred washed my feet. Mr. Rogers' actions are a wonderful example of what it means to live by faith in the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. He was not afraid of Clemens. He showed sacrificial love to him. He honored his dignity and worth. He did not rebuild walls of hostility that Jesus has broken down. In Christ, we are liberated from our divisions so we can freely live in love and unity with one another. So people who have chosen to live their lives centered on Jesus and the light he brings to the world don't rebuild those dividing walls of hostility. A centered church fully lives into the oneness of being one, united family in Jesus, loving each other and giving of ourselves for each other just like Jesus did. This is possible through Jesus' powerful work on the cross that brings wholeness and healing to all. We all have a place in the swimming pool. We all have a place at the table. We can delight with one another and stand with one another in good times and bad because in Christ we are liberated from our divisions so we can freely live in unity and love with one another. So how do we respond? Um, I have two ways. Oh, and they look really small. Okay, so first one. I want you to think about your life, your coworkers, maybe your family, your friends. Are there walls of hostility that you are rebuilding with this person or group? Are there boundary lines that you're redrawing? And what does it take for you to take one small step to bring this relationship into the light of Jesus? Um, and the other part of that is I want you to think about your life. Do you see yourself as a beloved child of God? Do you see your own dignity and worth? What could be one small thing you do this week that affirms who you are as a beloved child of God? Um, one of the things on our wheel up here is to watch the chosen. So if you do not see yourself as a child of God, I think that would be a great thing to do if you can find someone who has Amazon Prime, or maybe you have it, to watch the chosen. And when you see Jesus interacting with people and showing them love and compassion, put yourself in their place. Um, we are going to end with a liturgical response. Um, I'm going to give you a few minutes to think through this. Um, we're going to just say corporately, I want you to think about who you maybe are rebuilding walls of hostility with, a person or a group. And then we are going to pray a prayer of confession and lament. And it's going to go like this. I confess that I have rebuilt the dividing wall of hostility with, hmm. I lament the ways that I have not honored their dignity and worth as beloved children of God. Jesus, bring healing into this relationship, liberating me from that division so I can freely live in love and unity with Hmm. So I'm going to give a minute, and you can ask the Holy Spirit to bring something to your mind, and then we'll say this together. So I'll pray for us first. Um. Hmm. Amen.
Amen. Amen. Amen. All right, I'm going to just pray. <laughs> Jesus, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would bring to mind a person or a people or a people group that we have rebuilt those dividing walls of hostility with. Um, Lord, yeah, Holy Spirit, would you show us who that is? Okay, we're going to go ahead and read this together. Um, you can whisper or say that the person that comes to mind when we hit those fill in the blanks. So, ready? One, two, three. I confess that I have rebuilt the dividing wall of hostility with my brother. I lament the ways that I have not honored their dignity and worth as beloved children of God. Jesus, bring healing into this relationship liberating me from that division so I can freely live in love and unity with my brother. Amen.